You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey fam, just a quick note about this episode before we get started. As you know, with podcasting, sometimes we run into some interesting technical difficulties during recording. And sometimes those technical difficulties sound like a little bit of interesting mic interference in the background. So if you happen to hear some strange mic interference at certain points in this interview, just keep in mind that like with all things in life, nothing lasts forever. (laughs) Today's guest is wonderful. I think you're going to really love it. She had wonderful things to say. Especially if you are a Supernatural fan, Supernatural fan fiction fan in particular, I think you're really going to love today's episode. So with that being said, on with the show. The following paragraphs are from chapter 28 of a fan fiction titled Don't Care Where You've Been by today's guest fan fiction writer, Thanks Tacos. Are you okay? Dean looks at Alpha, ready to say no, ready to spit it in his face. Sam asked him the same question. Recently, everyone always asks him the same question. Alistair never asked him, and that was fucking peachy. Alistair knew he wasn't a baby to be looked after. He knew Dean was able to take care of himself. I miss you, Dean thinks, with bitter helplessness. And it chokes him like nothing before, the lump in his throat growing and growing. It's the most horrible thought he's ever had. The word no dies in his throat, and Alpha stares at him worriedly. But the cars move forward, and he has to start the Toyota again and drive without stopping this time. Dean, he asks, quietly, and Dean tries to fight the terror that overtook him. How can he miss him? How can he hate Alistair like no one else in the entire world and still miss him? He really owns Dean in every way, even after death. For the past 20 years, there was an easy routine, sure. But Alistair himself was always unpredictable. And Dean remembers it. Remembers the fear and the pain that it caused. But he still longs to be back, sometimes. Something rustles and he glances down. It's the Snickers wrapper, crushed in his clenched fist. And just like that, things are clear again. With Castiel, everything is complicated beyond belief. But he's still the exact opposite of Alistair. He's warm and honest and kind. And since Dean got to know him, much more predictable. Like now, Dean knows what will happen after he says, I will be. Castiel smiles, and just like Dean expected, he doesn't ask any more questions. He just takes Dean's hand and brings it to his mouth and kisses the knuckles. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world, 
Greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fan fiction writer today is Thanks Tacos, joining us all the way from Europe today. She has been a member of AO3 since 2019 and has 14 fan fiction stories currently posted for the Supernatural fandom. Thanks Tacos loves traveling, listening to music, and horror movies. Thanks Tacos. Welcome to the Fanfic Maverick. How are you today? Hi, I'm really good. I'm doing great and I'm really happy to be here. Oh, perfect. I am so glad and so excited that you are here today. I've been reading your stories for quite some time now, and uh, I'm just so thrilled that you are joining us today to talk about your fan fiction. So we'll get to all of that. It'll be fantastic. But first, of course, we want to know about your history with fan fiction. Do you remember discovering your very first fic? I don't remember the exact time I did discover it. But I, like, the first things that I wrote were fanfics. So I was actually in, like, maybe kindergarten. So I didn't even know the name for it. But I would just, like, write for everything that I was obsessed with. It was, like, shows, I mean, cartoons, movies, books, whatever. And I just wanted to write about the characters, like, engaging with each other, but not in a way that would change what happened before, you know, in the canon or whatever. So I feel like I just so, sort of knew it forever, but I never understood that other people wrote it as well until I was in my teens, maybe. So I knew it existed. I mean, obviously the, the like the uh, Wattpad fan fiction, you know, the boy bands, everyone was obsessed for it when I was a teen. So I knew it was a thing, but I, I think the very first time I started reading was when I was maybe 17, so very old, <laughs> extremely old. And uh, I got into Supernatural back then, so first I got into the show and then I started looking for stuff about it and I found pictures and I guess that's, yeah, when I got into it. But I don't remember the very first I read. I just remember sort of always being cautious that it existed, but not not having any specific thoughts about it. <laughs> just like, I, I know that I started enjoying this later on in life. And pretty soon after, I came back to writing it. So it was like, yeah, I, I didn't read a lot of it before. And also most of it is in English. And that's, yeah, that's not my native. So I had to write down like a lot of words. I would read the text and I would write down the words and then go to the dictionary, like the paper version. And write it all down and then I had just like a bunch of papers with translations so it was very strange but yeah I mean it helped me get into it I think and most of the stuff I would not pick very cautiously because I didn't understand what it was about entirely so yeah it was, it was a strange trip but I really enjoyed it and and feel like I got into it gradually like it really grabbed me you know it really got my attention at some point but it took a, a while. I don't think I, I was like, wow, this is amazing and just like stuck with it from the get go. I feel like, yeah, just reading it was worth a progress, maybe. <laughs> yes. This progressive experience where you just kind of inched into it slowly instead of all at once, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, I love it now, but for a while, I feel like I had to. Uh, you know, keep reading for a long time to find what I was really interested in. So uh, it was not only the language barrier, but also what websites and 
which authors I like the most. And once I found that, like, that means, I don't know what to call it. It was, yeah, it was great from then. But before, uh, it was just a lot of browsing. Oh my God. Okay. This part is like boring to explain, but in general, I feel like it was with me all my life in a way because of me writing it, but reading it, yeah, very late. How did it happen for you? Sorry. I just, I wanted to ask. Oh, no one's ever asked me that before. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? I was 14, right? And we had just got the internet at my house. And I was really into this kids show on the Nickelodeon channel. It was a sci-fi show for kids called Space Cases. And it had these different characters and they were all from different planets. And they ended up on this spaceship by accident. And then the spaceship hurls them across the galaxy, right? And the yeah. whole show is them trying to get home because they're out there by mistake, you know. <laughs> At first, none of the characters really like each other, you know, but they have to learn to work together and they have to learn how to become friends. I just really loved this sci-fi show and it only had two seasons and then the show got canceled. <laughs> And oh I was so God. sad about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was so sad. And the, they never made it home, and I never got to see what happened. Oh, no, this is horrible. It is, though. It's horrible because you just, you don't get that closure, you know? Yeah, sure. I get it. This was back in the 90s, right? So back mm -hmm. in the late 90s, it was before fanfiction.net had been created. It was long before AO3 had been created. I had never heard about fan fiction before, but because of this TV show that I liked, I was part of a online web ring. There was something called web rings back then where <laughs> okay. you could have all of these people who created fan sites for the shows that they liked, and they would link all of the fan sites together by this thing called a web ring. And one day I was browsing the web ring and I found somebody's fan site on this ring. So I clicked on the site. It was an old GeoCities site. I click on the site and there's a link on there that says Space Cases Fan Fiction Story. And I thought, what the hell is this? What? A story about space cases? So I click on the link and it's fan fiction. And I had never even heard the word fan fiction before. I had no idea what the fuck that was. So I'm reading this story and it's this amazing story about like these characters that I had fallen in love with. And it was a story that was non-canon, you know, so it's this brand new like plot. And uh, and I remember that the story actually ends with them finding a way to go home, which I was just like, oh, finally, I have closure. Yeah. <laughs> I know what happened, you know, like, oh, this is so great. And then it occurred to me, oh, well, if someone wrote this story about space cases on this one site, I wonder if other people on the Internet wrote stories about space cases and put those stories on their sites. So I went on this crazy, like, website binge looking for all of the websites that I could find to see if I could find more of this stuff called fan fiction. And it turns out that it's a thing that a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is really interesting to hear how it happened for you, you know, before all of those websites came up. But this also reminded me uh, when I was a kid, maybe it was the 90s, I'm not sure. But people used to, like, actually get paid for writing books about movies that came out. And it was pretty much like a fanfiction. Like the novels, right? 
the authorized novels. Yeah, and they are like, you know, they are technically legit, but no one really, like, it doesn't matter. Like, whoever wrote it clearly didn't understand anything about it. So uh, I'm feeling very critical, but I remember, like, for The Mummy, there was definitely a novel, and it was technically the movie, but also afterwards, they had different parts. And I read a lot of it as a kid, and it was, it felt like a fun fiction, but like, published, yeah. Right. You know, a lot of people talk about those novels and they say, oh, well, that's just like authorized fan fiction. Like that, you know, it's kind of the same thing where they're taking the characters and the basic elements of the universe, but they are creating their own stories. It's just authorized. Yes. That's all. And, <laughs> yeah. And they get paid for it. And also it's, I mean, it's not good. So <laughs> in, in general, the ones I've read were not great, but for Supernatural, I have read a couple that were really good. I felt like they are very personal in a way. Some of the others like really rolled their lives into it, <laughs> but it's strange. But some of the books are actually really good and I, I like some of them, but it's strange for me that some of the two know words that way and the rest is just dubbed, you know, confiction on the internet and it's not treated with any respect from the outside. So I don't know what makes it, you know, an original story in their eyes, of, in the eyes of the publishers, I'm not sure. But that's, it just came to me because uh, of what you were talking about with those web rings. And I feel like maybe this was also a way for people to publish before, you know, such websites were available. Like then just, I don't know, they had better connections or try harder. I don't know. Yes, that's exactly how it was. Before we had centralized archives like FFN and AO3, it was really just people posting fan fictions on their own personal websites. That's what it was. And so back in the day, if you really wanted to find fan fiction, you kind of had to hunt for it really hard to find what you were looking for. So it was definitely a different world back then. I'm so glad that we have AO3 now because it's so much easier to find yeah, exactly what you same. want. <laughs> yes. And it's also like very user-friendly too, you know? It's like I, I feel... Uh, like they put a lot of work into making it work and I really appreciate it. Yes, they do though. They really do. Like it's amazing how AO3 functions off of volunteer work from the community. That will never cease to amaze me how just amazing that is what we can accomplish as a community when we really put our minds to something and decide to cooperate and work together. <laughs> so absolutely agree with you there. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you what your opinions are on fan fiction, because you had this really interesting sort of slow progress through your own fan fiction journey. So mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like, I'm sure that your thoughts on fan fiction have changed over time as you've had time to, you know, think about things. And, you know, you've been writing fan fiction and posting stuff for a while. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about fan fiction as a concept? What makes it so unique and compelling for you specifically? I feel like on a more practical level, it just feels much easier than like embarking on the whole writing uh, an original book thing because it's terrifying to me. It's like I have to put a whole concept. I did this before. I never published anything, but I had whole books written and ready. And it was fun for me, but it also was like a lot of work with planning, I think, and with sticks, I never plan. I never plan anything. I just, it's very nice to just go with the flow. And with a book, I feel like, oh, well, you know, I need to write. I just have the urge maybe to write. 
And with books, it's like, I feel like I have to come up with something that was never done before, that's completely original and groundbreaking and great. And it's a big obstacle for me. I can't overcome it. But when it comes to things, it's just pleasure. I mean, I sit down and I write whatever I want. I don't worry about it being too original or unoriginal. I just want to write what I like. And somehow people just vibe with it. So <laughs> it feels great. The whole, like, less pressure. So that's that. But also, it's also easier because there's a lot of fans that will get, will get what you're talking about. Like, from, from the start, they understand the characters. They understand the uh, show or movie of book knowledge. And they understand the headcanons even. So it's just much easier to reach an audience that's already invested in something, you know? So I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of things to it uh, from a practical point of view. But also for me, like on a personal level, I just like it. <laughs> I just love the characters and I love to put them in a different scenario and just see what their reactions are going to be because I don't really know as a writer. I feel it's different for everyone, but for me, uh, it just unfolds as I write it. So it's always a bit of a surprise, but if I like the character, I enjoy just seeing what happens, you know, playing with the universe and trying to write something about something that I like and seeing how something that was already created reacts to it, if it makes any sense. So yeah, I think that's it. It's a lot of points, but yeah, practical and personal ones. I don't know. Just, I definitely enjoy all of it. And I don't really think about it too hard. I've seen people like really write great posts about it and think about the impact of it and how it builds a community. And I agree. I agree with all of it, but also personally, I never just think about it. I just sit down and it goes great when I write it. So I'm happy. <laughs> and that's all I think. I love that response. I love that response. Um, you used a word in your response that I am in love with. You used the word play. You said that you like to use these characters to play in the universe. And as you were talking, the word that came to mind with your response was joy, you know, and <laughs> yeah. that word play goes so well with that word joy because, you know, especially as adults, I feel like when we're kids, it's so easy to enjoy stuff and to just play because that's our natural state of being as children, right? Nobody shames us and says, oh, that's stupid because we're supposed to play and have fun when we're kids. But then we get older and it's almost like we're expected to just leave behind all of that, you know, quote unquote childish stuff that we had so much fun with as kids and we're just not supposed to have joy anymore when we're all grown up, you know? Like It's this weird thing where if you think about it, joy is supposed to be where we're at like all the time as human beings, I think, you know, and of, of course we're not always there, but we're here to experience as much happiness as we possibly can. And if we get happiness from playing Right. In a sandbox <laughs> yeah. with characters and exploring different stories and stuff. That's a beautiful way for people to experience joy. And the world can use lots more joy. I think we can all yeah. use that. I mean, I feel like for a lot of people, it's just entertainment. But the kind that you get to the side stuff, you know, kind of like those RPG games. I think I'm horrible with games, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But when you are like entering the world and also have some kind of say in it, but 
with writing, I feel like it's more because we have to build the whole structure around it. There's a lot of points. It's not just, I mean, it depends on how much you're taking from the original canon. But if it's just the characters, then you have a lot of work to do anyway. <laughs> but I feel like you have the really rude starting point with whatever was established before on the show or, well, here in Supernatural in this case. So, yeah, it's definitely, and it's something that connects you to other people when you start to unleash your thoughts <laughs> and you see how people react to it, how it agrees with what they think about it. And that was very interesting to me every time, like, seeing if people agree with those versions that I, for example, have of the characters and how they react. Yeah, so, but I agree for me, I and mean, I don't really think about will I do that much. I just do it or it's just happiness. <laughs> I just like it. <laughs> That's all. Yes, yes. And that is, you know, the best reason to do something, right? We don't have to think about it deeply if we don't want to. Sometimes we can just do things because it brings us joy and happiness. And I think that that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> I love that we're talking about Supernatural today because I was telling you before we started recording, I did two episodes last year with um, Supernatural writers and I thought, oh, I should probably hold off on doing Supernatural again for a while because we talked about it enough last year. And then this year I realized, oh my gosh, I haven't talked about Supernatural all year long. Like, that's not good. So uh, I'm so glad that you're here today so we can talk Supernatural a little bit. And uh, I've said before on the show that I never really got into the Supernatural TV show. I always wanted to. It just, I, I could never make it click for me. But I love reading Supernatural fan fiction. Some of the Supernatural fan fiction out there is the best fan fiction that exists, like on AO3. <laughs> and so um, it, it's always a great place to go find amazing stories by amazing writers. And I'll, I'll stick by that. It's amazing. I want to know your thoughts about Supernatural. How did you get into Supernatural? And what are some of your favorite memories from this particular fandom? Honestly, it's like a huge deal for me because it's one of my, it's my favorite. It's my favorite show ever and it has been for coming on 10 years now, actually. Yeah. Next year, it's going to be 10 years. So it's been, it's been a, a very long time and it's never changed. I just really cut into it. I feel like I chose it because it felt like it would represent a lot of what I like, which is, you know. We had comedy, we had this whole family thing that they had going on, and it just looked like fun. So I decided to try, and I had expectations of it being more like a comedy. I didn't know it would be so dark <laughs> at first. <laughs> so that was a surprise, yeah. And I actually, I struggled a lot with it. Like, I didn't, I wasn't into horror movies back then or anything horror-related, so... When I started watching and they were just like dying all the time in that show, I was terrified when I think episode three, they, I actually know, I know it was episode three. So I, I'll stop pretending. I don't know this. I know this in great detail. I remember when I was watching it and they were like, well, there was probably a boy haunting other children and they had to dig up a body. And I was like, okay, but this is television. They are not going to actually go and like, dig up a body, right? I mean, it's going to be like something. You know, they are just going to talk about it, but they know they actually did. They tried to. Luckily, it wasn't shown on the show, but it was pretty morbid, you know, this kind of like they really went for it. I wasn't used to this kind of thing on television. So it really made me <laughs> pretty traumatized. <laughs> but I loved it. I mean, it wasn't very gory, so I can't say that. I feel like 
it was just very well done. I know that many people won't agree with me, but I love the storytelling. I love the plot. I love the way it was shot. I love the characters. I love the actors. All of it. I think it was very well done from season one, maybe to season even eight, nine for me, which is a rare opinion as far as I know. But I was really impressed by the way it was built brick by brick. And then even now, so many years later, you can come back and still see something new in it, which really, it is so inspiring to me. I did not expect to get into it as I started watching and it was just a lot of monsters. But it actually made me appreciate color and I got really, really into it and all the urban legends. And there was also a lot of American culture, as you know, probably from the fanfics, I'm pretty sure. And it was, you know, I was like, I wasn't into it at all before the show, but you know, the little stuff, like I was kind of raised on classic rock, for example, and I didn't really like it. And Supernatural made me actually enjoy it for the first time. Nice! Um, uh, yes! Yeah, and it was a lot of stuff like that. Just the whole living on the road was amazing. I love Sam. I love Dean. I loved both of them together. Whatever they were doing, this relationship, it was awesome. And just like all the Monster of the Week episodes, as they are called, where they just like face off a ghost or whatever. Yeah, it's great. Okay, because I could like go on about this forever, but I love this show and... I feel like I'm one of the, like the minority maybe, because I never stopped liking it. I was watching it from, I think I joined the season eight. Uh, I mean, it was airing because I was watching and I was just in love with it from start to finish. I only hated the very last maybe seasons, weren't it great, but in general, I stand by this, that I think it's masterful and it's not silly or funny. I feel like the first seasons are so solid and it's great with horror and like the, the relationships between people, it really gets into some dark places, but it's really, it's real about it, I feel. So <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that I love about it. I have been into it for so long, but yes, yes, I think it's it's a great TV show. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. I love hearing that because, you know, you're right that um, a lot of the people that I've talked to anyway are like, oh, well, I like certain seasons or it was good up until this particular season or whatever. And so, like, it's really rare, I think, for someone to find a show that they love from start to finish and they think, Mm -hmm. wow, that was just so solid, like so good. And you feel like you could just rewatch it over and over and find new things every time that you do and just love the whole thing. And I love that for you. I love that it was that kind of experience for you because that's so rare, I think, you know, to find something like that, that you feel is just like so masterfully done. Yes. And I I mean, yes, I really fell in love with Eric Kripke who created it. I just, I feel like he's a genius for me. He really got this exact vibe that I really loved. And yeah, I mean... It really impressed me. I didn't expect to love it so much, but I have to clarify that I hated the finale, like the the show finale. I hated most of season 15, so it wasn't exactly from start to finish because it made me just like, wow, I got so depressed after this. But up till then, it was really good. (laughs) Okay, so I want to ask you about that. Because I don't watch the show, I never really knew what the canon dynamic was between Castiel and Dean, right? I sort of had like an inkling because I read so much supernatural fan fiction, but I never really knew what was going on in canon with those two. And then when the finale came out, 
there were so many people that were so upset about what happened because they were like, this is trash. This is like, you know, so rude to us, the fans and like, blah, 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 blah. And I get it. I get why so many people were upset. But I think that it really does speak in some form to the dynamic that existed between Castiel and Dean in canon, which I suppose is what makes them so compelling to write for. You know, you write lots of stories with those characters in that pairing. So (laughs) I'm wondering, like, what were your thoughts on the whole finale? And what are your thoughts on those two characters together in general? Well, you know, actually here, I don't have that much to say. I think it's maybe because many people, when I heard their opinions on this, they were trying to maybe make it better after the finale happened, like just make a better ending, which is very valid. Or they were like getting into their own struggles because, you know, well, Cass was, um, they said he was gay on the show. So that was, I mean, not really, I'm not sure. He just said that he loved Dean. So for me, as a watcher who didn't really like thought they were good together, <laughs> on screen I mean I love them but I don't think I was shipping them in general I don't I don't feel like maybe this is hard to explain but I just feel like they had this great bond and it was very cool to watch but I didn't really get anything romantic going on except for the late seasons where it really started going this way to the point where even one of my friends who wasn't shipping them was like this is weird this is gay like (laughs) they are going too far (laughs) because i for me actually that scene wasn't it was i don't know if you know but there was this uh famous mixtape scene where uh dean gave Cass a mixtape he made and everyone was like oh my god this is so romantic and i didn't feel this way maybe this is just i don't know i didn't i'm not a shipper in general so most of this stained me but I was really enjoying their relationship and whatever you may call it for most of those seasons. And at the end, I felt like it was really going this way. Like they were going to make them get together. But at the same time, I didn't feel like it was going to happen on the show. So it was strange. I feel like they could be in a good place for that, but not so so. I feel like Dean wasn't ready for that, definitely. So it felt like, you know, the wrong place, wrong time, maybe. But yeah, on the show in general, I wasn't like unhappy that it didn't happen. It was more for for me, it was infuriating how they just got rid of Cass. They just were like, okay, whatever. He made his big confession. Now he can die. And it just made me so mad because it was very disrespectful. Like, well, not only to to Cass, but also to Dean and Sam, who were like, they were really close friends with him or whatever, maybe more. And they just like gave up on him. But. It was, it felt like self-bet writing. That was what made me very mad because it just felt so out of character. Yeah, but yeah, go, going back to the fic in general, I didn't really like Cass when I started writing fics. I wasn't like, he was a petty, you know, <laughs> but he wasn't my favorite or anything. And when I started writing it, I was just going for, well, I liked Dean and I needed someone to be there for him. <laughs> so. I just, I liked Cass and I thought he was, I mean, I like, it's a bad word, but he wasn't like my favorite. He was just, okay, I didn't get him. I didn't understand him as a character. So I just put him there and I was like, okay, maybe this will work out. I just wanted to see how it went and it went, well, as you can see, it went uh, pretty well. <laughs> I mean, I started, I started writing it as a sort of, I guess, experiment if I'm going to get a good view for it. And I think 
at first I was like, okay, I don't know how to write cast at all because I not I wasn't a shipper. I felt a bit like a and frog for just giving this a try because I wasn't, you know, as dedicated as some other people were. But I, I got really into it writing it. I was like, well, this is actually going great. And the second someone started throwing shade on Cass, I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> now I have to prove that this guy, this guy is the greatest. And I don't know why it changed for me, but it became very personal when people didn't really like him. And they felt like he was doing the right thing when I was writing, you know? So I decided to really understand him and give him purpose. And through that, I think I started really getting attached to him. And it didn't take long. I think a couple of chapters of me writing stuff and I was like, okay, he's now my bestie and I have to be writing this because I really got into it. And also like the dynamic was being, I mean, on the show, it was, it was funny. It was sad. It was deep. Yeah. For me, it was not usual, I guess, the way I went into it. Because I don't know why I chose this hill. I just don't, I have no idea. I, I felt like they would be put together and I tried it out and it worked. And I started loving cast through the fix that I was writing. Because before I had no understanding of him at all. Like I, I enjoyed seeing him on screen. I enjoyed seeing him talk and I love watching him interact with Dean. But also I think only in fanfiction, I found this level of understanding of both of those characters that makes the, the romance between them work for me, if that makes sense. So yeah, but this is getting very deep. I just, what I'm trying to say is that I didn't feel it in the show as much as I do in the fanfic world, but also I think it's very valid for everyone to want them to get together because it really feels that way on the show that they are headed that direction. Uh, and it feels like a cheat when they don't. In the end, yeah, it feels very cheap for me. And for some people, it was very important, yeah. Yeah, I think that that was probably what most people's issues were with the whole thing. Because like you said, he makes his confession and then they just get rid of him. And it felt like such a letdown for so many people, especially if you say that it seemed like they were sort of heading that way on screen for a while leading up to that point. So I can see how people would be like, oh, my God, that's so lazy to just let him declare his love or whatever and then get rid of him. And then like, that's it, you know, <laughs> so I, I can see why people would be upset with that. But, you know, they live on romantically in fan fiction every day, guys. So there's that, which is great. <laughs> and I love what you said about getting to know this character through fan fiction writing, because I've always been so impressed by the deep, deep ways that you fan fiction writers understand these characters. It's on this level that's just amazing to me every single time because I learn all of these amazing things about different aspects of these characters reading your stories because you guys just put in the work, I guess, to really understand them in a way that you can distill that into your writing which flows down to us, the readers. So I just think that that's an amazing thing, that writing is what kind of helped you get to know Cass a little bit. And now you guys are friends. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I really, I didn't see this coming at all, but it happened. So I'm really glad because I, I wasn't sure if it would work out. I felt like a lot of people would feel that somehow that I wasn't, you know, a true shipper, <laughs> that I was faking it and they would be so mad. They would be like, this is actually a really bad fiction. I was so ready for the onslaught of faith. At the very start, I just didn't expect that the community would be so nice. 
but yeah, I just, yeah, it was very surprising. The reactions I got, uh, it was great to feel like, you know, not like I was just someone new coming in with my ideas, but it was kind of like everyone felt like it was valid to have this idea and try to write it out. I don't know. It was very welcoming. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I always love to hear that when there's welcoming and when there's support from the community, because that's so important for creators and writers, you know, to have that community and to have that feedback and just to, you know, when you put your joy and your happiness out there to have that resonate with other people. It's a wonderful feeling to have. So that's just wonderful. I'm so glad it's been a good experience for you. Yeah, it's been great. Good, good. I'm so, so glad. It's kind of funny having you on. Not funny. That's not the word I'm looking for. But it's it's amazing <laughs> having you on today because, you know, you've been mentioned twice before on the other Supernatural episodes that we did. I was able to speak with Casually Neurotic last year, and I was also able to speak with Ginger Swag, and they both mentioned you and your work don't care where you've been during their episodes. And so when I think of writers in this particular genre trope that we're going to be talking about today, I always think of you three as the writers who just have really strong, solid pieces for this particular trope that we're talking about today. We are covering, you know, the ABO stuff today and the slave fic aspect just a little bit here, too. So, so yeah, it's just, it's amazing. But, yeah, you guys are like the three pillars, I think, in the community of people that really like reading that kind of a thing, especially for Supernatural. Yes, but thank you. I mean, yes, it's an honor, I just want to say, because I love both of them, and I will expand on that later on, I hope. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, it's just I find it so fascinating to see how you guys have all sort of inspired each other. Yes. Which I think is just great because it means like amazing content for folks like me who just can't get enough of this shit. So um, I think it's a great thing. So don't care where you've been. You started that, I believe, in 2019 if I'm not mistaken. So, of course, that's the one that we're talking about today. And I know that Casually Neurotic did mention that her work, maybe Sprout Wings, was in a sense uh, partially inspired by what you did with Don't Care Where You've Been. So, obviously, we have to talk about Don't Care Where You've Been today. I was hoping that you could expound on some stuff for us about this fic today. What is the fan fiction about and what inspired you to write this piece? Okay, so in general, it is about Dean, who's, um, I guess this is how I'm saying, but an Omega, in a, like in a highly oppressive society, and his husband dies. And we have also cast him, who is an alpha. And he gets to live for like 40 years of his life, single. He's, he has no problems in general. But then suddenly, out of the blue, he gets chosen for Mary Dean. And it's very, it's very mechanical, it's very dystopian, but then they're off to navigate their life together. And it's not eerie. Uh, because Dean went through a lot and he has a very broken mindset and cast his own issues. So basically, I feel like it's a, it's a long story about absolute strangers just forced to live together and they keep trying to, well, they fall in love as well, but I feel like mostly they're trying to find themselves in the process. And I feel like it sounds pretty cliche and romantic, but I like to think it's not so romantic at all. Because it definitely gets dark in places, but I feel like well, what I was going for is that it's more about discovering yourself and maybe fighting your fears and 
the love is maybe a side effect of it and the fuel as well of the relationship. So yes, that's what I was going for writing it. <laughs> but in general, it is very heavy on hurt, comfort and angst. And yeah, I feel like that sums it up. Yeah. So with those tropes being mentioned, hurt, comfort, angst, ABO, mm -hmm. dystopian power dynamic relationships. Yes. I think we can all tell why I love this fic so much, right? <laughs> like I am a dark fic reader. I love those tropes. Not gonna lie, like I read a lot of stuff like that. And so this whole entire fic was absolutely up my alley here. In general, I was like that set of making this. It's a very standard hurt comfort setting, I feel, but I really wanted it to be realistic, as realistic as possible. Just as you said, I really love this trope and I read a lot of it, but I am so tired of everyone just you know, focusing on the rescue part and then it's just like well they live happily ever after and i want to like throw it out as much as possible so just read about well, right in this case about all the smallest struggles and how the characters overcome them so i feel like writing i try to keep that hurt comfort factor going in on every chapter you know so for as long as possible for the people like me and i guess you as well who enjoy this so if we really finish after the start where they sort of get used to each other. Yeah, so this, I guess that's what I was going for writing it. But also I wanted to add, you know, about the inspiration. Just when I was writing it, I was inspired, as you mentioned before, by one of the ginger swag pigs. And it was keeping you in sight, which you were talking about in some other episode. And... You know, I love to read that one over and over as it was posting and I was keeping up with it all the time. Uh, it was many years ago, but I think like everyone who picks this trope just knows she's an absolute legend. And for me, I just love her. I, I hate the, the hurt part of her comfort mostly. I just like to read it too much because it, it just hurts me. Yeah. So I try to keep it vague usually, but when I uh, read her fic, I just had to skip some parts, but still, you know, without reading them, like the, the sheer weight of the recovery and the past and the circumstances of being, and it was, it was just mind-blowing and it felt very cathartic in a way, I guess, reading the, the subtle changes and how Cass influenced him and how they built their bond. I think it was the first fic that I read that tackled this topic in such a real way and it really inspired me. I was like, <laughs> I was just a huge fan because it was very unapologetic about so many things and I feel like it really made me want to write something like this. So just like fast forward, I was very sick in I think February 2019 and I just wanted to write something that would make me feel better and stop sulking so I made being sick in this <laughs> first chapter. <laughs> I was trying to write something very comforting and it worked. And then I just left it because I wasn't going to publish it. But then a couple months later, I felt like I had some health issues and I was convinced that I was going to die, which I did not. I did not die and I did. it wasn't even that serious, but I was convinced it was going to end very bad. So I decided to post right and back <laughs> because I was like, okay, if I'm going to die, this is what I have to do before. <laughs> so. I did that and it was the greatest choice. Yeah, so that's, that's the story behind it. So it was kind of a development in progress. I wasn't supposed to post it at first. I was very hesitant to do it, but I'm so glad that I did. And I just had to tell you about Ginger Swag because I was so inspired by her fic. And I just, yeah, she's a genius. And 
yes, I love her. So <laughs> this was definitely inspired by her. So, and she knows this. So it, it's great that she got to like talk to me and we got to meet and to like become friends. But it was very insane for me that she inspired me and then she liked what I wrote. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And yes, yes. Huge shout out to Ginger Swag because like, you know, obviously like I read everything that she writes because it is <laughs> yeah. just so, oh my God, it's so, so good. And obviously like in the same trope, same genre. It's just so good. So yeah, like I can absolutely see all of these different places where you guys are kind of inspiring each other. I can see elements of things from her fic that are in yours, things from yours that are in hers. And so it's just this really, really cool, interesting thing where you can see the community dynamic interplay here. And it's just beautiful. I love it. It works out great for me because I get amazing <laughs> things to read all the time, which is great. <laughs> Well, I'm glad, but it also works out for me because when I get to talk to her, I am like, please write more. I need stats. And she's like, okay, well, I'm try. So I feel like I can, you know, just like influence people now <laughs> to produce the content that I want to write. So that feels great. Not write, but read. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned what you mentioned about the whole hurt comfort thing. And how you wanted to make sure that we still got those elements of challenge, right, throughout the whole entire story. Because that's one of the things that I was going to bring up oh. <laughs> when we talk about this fic is I love her comfort stories. I've seen lots of different ways that they're done. I like them all. However, I am more partial to the ones that don't immediately rush to the recovery part. Because yeah. to me, like you said. That's so unrealistic. It's not as interesting or compelling when they just immediately go to the recovery phase and then nothing bad ever happened to them again. I prefer, you know, a little more drama, a little more angst, a little more, you know, <laughs> challenge yeah. or whatever. And so that was one of the things that I really, really loved about Don't Care Where You've Been, because you do have recovery throughout the fic, which is great, but you intersperse it with new challenges, new dramatic things that happen, new situations and scenarios that they have to encounter and overcome. And it just kept hitting that spot for me, you know, that yeah, spot in my brain that just loves that kind of a thing. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I have to tell her that it just, you know, throughout the whole fic, it's just steady like that. And I loved cool. it. Yeah, so thank I you. Was, I was really going for that. No, thank you for real. Because I, I wasn't sure if it would work out. But every time I kept going, I was like, oh, my God, people are going to hate this because it's so worried. And they are just like nothing happens. They are just talking. So I tried to include just a little bit of. I don't know, whatever, just like any problem they could face in every chapter. So there would be some kind of progress, but also those feelings, you know, that we, like, we love to read it. That's the truth. So I want to, like, I want them to, I don't know, like, have, like you said, I think it's a good word, a challenge that they have to overcome all the time. So it doesn't become boring or steady because it's not, I, I don't feel like it should be steady at that point in the story. So yeah, I like to to keep preparing in those moments <laughs> so it doesn't get boring or just to, yeah, to steady, to normal. Yeah, no, you did a wonderful job because, yeah, that angst part of my brain was kept on its toes the entire time. And, you know, it works cool. even like long after you've read the fic, because I told you I read this a while ago and then I, of course, reread it to prepare for this episode. 
And hey, it still holds up. Like the feelings are still there when you read through it and you're still going through this whole angst journey in your brain. And it's just, oh, I can't tell you. It's like my favorite Friday night thing to do. Great. All that angst. Oh, mm. I feel like so I know good. what to read. I mean, I feel the same way exactly. So <laughs> yeah, we are definitely into the same stuff. I get it. So it's great. I'm really great. I'm really, I'm really happy that it. It's able to produce the same feelings after all this time. It's a really great compliment that it doesn't like really grow old. <laughs> so I'm happy about that. And of course, like we've said, we've been saying the last couple of minutes, this fic does incorporate different tropes, you know, the forced marriage trope sort of, you know, because Cass isn't, you know, necessarily like wanting to get married. He kind of has to. Yeah, he really doesn't want to yet. Yeah. So there's kind of that arranged forced marriage kind of trope thing. And then, of course, we do have that against the backdrop of this dystopian ABO trope, which I know a lot of people like have a problem with the ABO trope. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I get that. We've talked about that on the show ad nauseum. But, you know, for me, I just... I just really like it. I don't know. Yeah, same. Yeah, well, it. I like that it provides a lot of opportunity for challenge. Yes, yes, I agree. I mean, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like it's a, it's such a great mirror for so many problems that we face normally right now. So you can just touch on so many things like, you know, problems that minorities have. Um, mistreatment, uh, problems in marriage, or, or just like identity, even some medical issues. There's so much to, to explore there. And it's all, you know, given to you under this pretense of another dystopian world, but really solve those things really come close to how it is in real life, which I like because it's very harsh, but I feel like it's great to get to explore something like this. And the setting is like people expect this to be dystopian. So it's you have the setting set up, <laughs> so to speak. So you don't have to do much background explaining. People just accept that this is how it is. And then you can just go on to explore all the problems and show everyone how bad it is and how to fix it. So I don't know, for me, it's the, I guess, the, the dark aspects of it and how you can use them to really show some actual problems. I don't know. I, that's why I feel, I don't know if you vibe with this idea <laughs> at all. I do. I do. Absolutely. I do. In so many different ways, because that's exactly how I feel about the ABO trope. Personally, I feel like it does mirror so many different social issues that are real in our world today. And I think that just depending on your own life circumstances, you can look at the ABO trope and probably connect with different aspects of it, depending on what your personal circumstances are. But for me, it's always been, how do I put this, almost this comforting, safe place to explore those feelings, you know, or at least have those feelings validated for me, because like... There are so many different social problems that exist in the world. Sometimes we don't talk about it, right? We just live it. We experience it. And we don't ever get to talk about it. And so when I see some of this stuff in fan fiction through these tropes, it's almost like I'm finally able to have a conversation about it, even if it's just with myself, even if it's just through these characters talking to each other about it or experiencing it themselves. And that means something to me. And yes, it is dark. Yes, it is disturbing. It's supposed to be. Yes, I mean, I agree. I feel like I really like what you said about this being everyone can find something for themselves in it. Because I agree. I feel like it's uh, what really makes people uh, attracted to it. Because 
I don't know, for me, for example, like I was writing this stuff and I never really write about my personal things, but at the same time, a lot of emotions can be translated into it, despite the circumstances being different. So I also feel like it really hits and it's hard to name because for me, for example, it really, it's not just ideal, but in general, sometimes I just read something and it really gets deep under my skin, even though it's a completely different <laughs> setting or situation. I just feel like a lot of, especially ABO, but in general, a lot of those texts just really get feelings right. And that's why it works, that they are very universal, but they touch on a lot of subjects. Yeah, but yeah, but I agree with you. I just, I wasn't sure if I understood everything that you were talking about, because you said that you like that it explores those things that I already talked about. So you mean those like problems that, I don't know, those societal problems? Yeah, problems with society. I think it can definitely be that. I think for me personally, and I haven't really spoken on this on the show too much, but I'm pretty open about it when people ask me about it. But I have always had challenges with gender identity, you know, ever since I was a little kid. And as I've gotten older here, I'm almost 40. I finally am in a space now where I can admit those things out loud and think about them and talk about them. But for a long time, I couldn't. You know, for a long time, I couldn't talk about them. And believe it or not, the ABO trope has been so comforting for me. Having those thoughts and those challenges and those things going on with me personally, you know, with gender identity. Because believe it or not, a lot of the conversations and the things that happen in these fan fictions are, you know, things that hit really close to home for me. You know, And so I'm so superbly grateful to people that take up this trope and they talk about it and they treat it seriously in ways that have been immensely helpful to me. Because sometimes when you're going through those challenges, things like gender and the way that people treat you because of your gender can be very uncomfortable. And sometimes there's nobody to talk to about it. But then you you, you can explore it safely through a fan fiction story. I can definitely see how this trope can relate to this. I mean, it's very, you know, almost every fan fiction, especially in this fandom, is about like how people are not fulfilling the expectations of society. So I feel I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I feel like it's very, I mean, it's great. I'm happy that you were able to find something like this for you because it's, it's not easy, but I feel like this is how it's doing its job because it's making you feel something for you and also work out your voice stuff based on a story that someone like tries to I don't know. People generally try to show how they feel about things, you know, through those stories. And it's great that it works and it resonates with people and makes them think about themselves and maybe even change their lives because they like work it through and then make some decisions. I don't know. I just love it. I love that it actually has impact on people. And I'm glad that you were able to, to find something that's for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, as I was reading this fan fiction, I was so inspired and so. What's the word I'm looking for? I felt so drawn to Dean's journey, especially because he's just going through so much. When the story starts, he's going through so much and he has to go through so much all throughout this story. And just the bravery that he displays and the courage that he utilizes to kind of move through his challenges is so inspiring to me. And also there are so many elements that you put in here with his journey that were so personal to me. You know, like there's this part 
in the story, he's been separated from his father and from Sam for yes. at least mm-hmm. 20 years. You know, yes. he got married to his first alpha husband, who was like a grade-A jerk and did horrible things to him. And he hasn't seen his family in a really long time. And then he has the opportunity to reconnect with Sam. And it's in chapter 13 where he's thinking about the reasons why he doesn't want to see Sam necessarily after all this time. And he's saying how he doesn't want Sam to see him a certain way. He doesn't want Sam to see him as weak and ruined. And he doesn't want Sam to see this like Omega side of him that he's never seen before. And he's just thinking, man, part of me just wants Sam to remember me the way I was, you know? Tough as nails, older brother who was confident, who didn't go through 20 years of abuse. That was so hard for me because I thought, yeah, of course, you know, like 20 years of like horrible abuse. You're not the same person that you were 20 years ago after that. And so you would be so worried about like, oh, my family, they're going to be disappointed in me. They're going to be so upset when they see me like this. And I just related so much to poor Dean's like, you know, thoughts on that. And also his thoughts about being really sad about everything that he missed out on and everything that's changed since he's been gone because the world moves on without you. So he spent 20 years with this abusive spouse. And in the meantime, the world moved on without him. And having to grapple with that and be like, wow, everything's changed. What does that mean for me now? It was so relatable and just so, ugh, I don't even know sometimes what to say about it. But it was just, oh, my God. Well, I love the thrill of it because for me, this is one of the parts that also hits when I write it. Just like realizing how much time I'm talking about here, you know, 20 years. And also it's hard for me to, even though I write about it, it's hard for me to really imagine being so, you know, freedomless that you can't even do simple stuff because the state or, or your husband or whoever just tells you you can. And the idea of not having that afterwards, this is what terrifies me and what terrifies being in this big. Uh, because it's like, I, I imagine this is too much freedom at once. And also, this is the moment when everything comes crashing in because you just see all those missed opportunities. And now that you have the opportunity to do something about it, you find that it's too late or that you can't because it's either, you know, not the right time anymore or you're just feeling not strong enough. And I think like, I don't know, for me, none of those experiences are really something I went through. But I was doing my best to like put myself in his shoes, or I guess most people go as they write. So this is one of the things that were hitting me the most. It's like imagining the complete restriction of everything and then having to live knowing that most of your life has gone by like that. And it's not gonna, you're not gonna be able to make up for that last time. Yeah, so that's, that's definitely very dark and depressing. But I felt like it was very important to, to address a lot. And maybe to show that the whole struggle, it's not as stupid or simple as it may seem because it's not like someone flips a switch and you're suddenly, or Dean here is suddenly free and just able to do whatever she wants. But it's more complex because it's not just, you know, what you can't do now, but also what you can't do anymore. I don't know if this makes sense, but I hope it's showing that his fight is really, it's difficult because it's not just, you know, allowing him to do some stuff 
fixes things. Well, it's obvious. I don't know. I feel like this is obvious for most people who are in the fix, so I shouldn't explain this, I guess. But yeah, I, in general, I'm really glad that you felt that way because it was intended. But I'm sorry that it made you kind of sad because I feel like it did. Uh, you know, it it's a good kind of sad, though. It's the kind of sad that I adore because it lets me think about things. Like, I really appreciated that you made Dean older. As you're talking about him missing out and him having to grapple with the fact that he's in a different place in his life now. And yeah, he missed out on a lot of stuff. And now at his age, maybe there are things that he would have loved to do, but can't anymore because the time for that has passed. I really appreciated that you made Dean a little bit older in this fic. You know, it's funny because a lot of fics like this will describe Dean as old and used up and stuff. And then you find out that he's like 32 or something, you know, in the fic. And you're like, yeah, I remember feeling old at 32, I guess. But I'm almost 40 now. And so like that feels a little old for me. So when I realized that your Dean was almost 40, Oh, it just made me fall in love with him. It made me fall <laughs> all in love with him all over again because I was like, dude, I get that. I get that when you are approaching 40 like a freight train, it's just around the corner and you do start having these existential thoughts in your brain as you get older like that thinking, wow, almost half of my life is is kind of over now. And yeah, there are probably things at this age that I probably can't do anymore. And maybe I had some dreams, you know, when I was younger that I may not have time to pursue anymore at, you know, at this stage of my life. And and you do kind of have to, um, let's say, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to rearrange your expectations and you have to rearrange your thoughts a little bit around that. And you have to come to terms with the fact that, yeah, there, time has passed and the time for some of those things is over now. I can still do other things, though, that make me happy and I can still find new dreams and new things that make me happy that I can pursue. But it is a journey to get there in your thoughts and the way that you think about things. So it was just really enlightening and so helpful to see him go through that because I have definitely had those thoughts <laughs> about my my own circumstances as well. This so. is this is very new for me. I'm really happy that you're telling me this because I never I think I never heard from anyone about the age factor. I'm not sure, but I was terrified that people were gonna be like they are acting too young or too old or whatever because I was twenty two and I loved this. I feel like this was a good time for them to be kind of like forecast this table, but also have made some regrets in his life and for him to enter at the stage where it's not so, you know, it's not the time to, I don't know, I feel like it's less about feelings at that stage and more about wanting to settle down and just like have some peace for him because he was like, he doesn't really look forward to going crazy. He just needs to rest for a long time. And I thought like bringing in the stable environment of people who are usually, I guess, settled in some way by that age, I felt like it was a good time for them. But at the same time, I wanted to really show that it doesn't like, because it's not, you know, you don't really have those, this checklist of things that you have to do before 40. But it is true, like you said, that some experiences are impossible to re-experience. So I feel like it's, it was important for me to show that some of those things are gone forever and he just has to live like that and because some of the things are just like you know everything is going to be great and i don't like this i would like more harsh, harsh realism that okay well it is what it is and he has to make do with what he has 
and appreciate the stuff that is still in front of him because it's not like his life is finished at 40. I feel like it's just like you said that some things, maybe some milestones that he was hoping with before won't be there, but it's not like a bad thing at all that he, I don't know, she doesn't have any other hopes or dreams he can achieve, you know? I mean, you do know because what you said may force us to what I'm trying to say right now. No, you're saying it perfectly that, yeah, he has to rearrange his expectations a little bit and just set yeah, new goals. Yeah, that's what you said, yeah. I just, I don't know, I really enjoyed writing them at that stage of life. I felt like it was a good thing to, to make it then. Maybe also I just didn't see a lot of this and I was bored of them being like 20 and acting like, you know, they spend their entire life in horrible circumstances when in reality, I mean, it's, it's always horrible to say no, but I feel like 20 years just gives it a different impact maybe because of those uh, lost years. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, you're explaining that perfectly. And I think that you're exactly right because, you know, those years in your twenties and thirties are such formative years. I feel like they were so formative for me. And so as I'm approaching 40, I can absolutely see that the person I am now, that was pretty much formed in my 20s and my 30s, right? And so, yeah, like if you spent your formative adult years in horrible circumstances, that's absolutely going to impact who you are at 40. So, yeah, I just I really appreciated that you let them be that middle age there. There was this other thing that you did in this fan fiction that I just have to tell you was so sad but so real it was so real and I got it immediately because I've had these thoughts before so in this fan fiction in two places that I I could I, I can remember Dean is thinking about his old spouse right his first spouse his first alpha and we know a lot about this this first spouse because you know Dean does talk about him and how horrible it was and what an awful person he was and all of that stuff but he's thinking about how, in some ways, being with his first alpha was easier. Like it felt easier for him in some ways because there was the familiarity. There was the really strict structure of understanding what his first alpha expected and what the consequences were of not meeting those expectations. There was this heartbreaking part in this fic where Dean's thinking about his first alpha and he says in his head I miss you I miss you and he doesn't really not really but there's that part of him that does though that does because he misses the familiarity and he misses the structure he misses knowing the rules and to me that was so incredibly real heartbreaking but real because I feel like so many of us end up in different kinds of circumstances right and sometimes we do miss the old chaos and the old pain yes. and the old abuse sometimes or whatever it was, whatever the circumstance was. Sometimes we miss that because at least it felt familiar. Yeah. And it's also, you know, one thing is, you know, this thing that you're talking about, like the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't. But also, yes. I feel like maybe it was also the fact that they spent 20 years together and the good moments were so rare, but when they happened, they were like very cherished. So for me, it was also, you know, definitely what you're talking about, but also this part of like just being used to the other person. Like he didn't have any contact with anyone else basically for all those years. So it was this, I don't know, this, well, you're saying familiarity. Maybe it is the same thing. I don't know what else to call it. 
I really tried not to name it. Yeah, because I, I had I had the problem of naming it. I was just going for some name devotion. Yeah. Well, no, you're right, though. Alistair was his entire world. He had no life outside of those four walls or outside of his spouse. You're right. He was Dean's entire world. And you can't just go 20 years with someone and not still think back to all those years with that person or not still have very complicated feelings about your relationship with that person. Because you're right. Like you did a really good job showing us that there were some good moments with his first spouse. There were, you know, there was a lot of crap and a lot of horrible stuff too, but he did have some good moments. And what do you do with that? Yeah, this is exactly what you're just saying. Like, what do you do with that? This is what I was trying to ask in this thing because it's obvious, like, I don't want to make it doubtful whether it was good or bad, like it was bad all the way. But I feel like with a lot of people, like you said, this is true that many of them just struggle with those feelings later on, that they don't condemn this entirely, like this period of time or even that person. And they don't know what to do with it because they know it's wrong, but they don't feel like it's all, you know? Well, it's it's complicated, but I felt like it was very important, and I want to still expand on that in uh, another uh, thing, like one of those. I'm writing the last timestamp for this uh, thing, and I really want to add something about it. So I think I'm going to have to think about it <laughs> some more, right, to that. But yes, it was, I really enjoyed this part, like writing about this whole relationship. And how it isn't as easy as just cutting it off and being like, okay, no, I'm someone better. I feel great. But I don't know. For me, I, I love writing about the psychological stuff and especially the dark ones that I'm like, you really have to, I don't know, like struggle with something that happened to you in the past, like here or another similar fix. And it's just really gratifying for me to really explore that and also have it end in a good way. Like, show how complicated and chapel this can be in the meantime. I think, yeah, this is what I really left, right? So it was definitely cool for me to really go step by step and figure out how they would feel about it. Like, not only the bells or cast. Oh, I'm so glad that you did decide to tackle that because it really explores the duality of our experiences, which, you know, duality is something that I am endlessly fascinated with, but it also makes my brain hurt when I think about it because like my brain likes to be very organized about things. So sometimes my brain doesn't want to admit that certain experiences can be two things at the same time. Right. Like sometimes we look back at an experience. Right. And we think we just want to say that it was all bad and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is that life is, is more complicated than that. Exactly like you were saying. And there's duality in these experiences. And so the experience can be bad. And there can be good times, too. Yes. And there can be things that we're comforting, too. And there can be things that we learn, too. And it's this, like, duality thing that is sometimes makes your brain hurt thinking about it. Yes. But you tackled oh that God. in your fan fiction, and it was amazing. I just love that you brought it up because I feel like this was what I started noticing as I was writing. And it was haunting me the entire time I was writing it because... Like almost every scene, every decision they were making, it was always those good and bad parts of something. And this was this duality that you're talking about. Like sometimes both of the characters or more were both right and wrong in a way. 
and it was just killing me. Sometimes I really have to think about it and like parse it out their POVs and think about how everyone is saying the struggle or this decision or situation. And yeah, sometimes it was very tiring, but it definitely made me realize just how much of life is like that. So yeah, that was a lesson for me too. Yes, yes. And that's just, I think that's one of the things, one of the many things that just makes your your story so good is that it's so real that way, showing us the duality of everything. Because I feel like in life, most things probably have a little aspect of duality in them. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> Nothing is simple anymore. I appreciate that realism because it makes me feel like I'm not alone in my struggle with the whole duality thing. I end up spending a lot of time thinking about, geez, this has good and bad things to it. And that's kind of weird. My brain's having a hard time with that, but it's true. So, yeah, you did a wonderful job. And I really loved the way that you explored the theme of freedom. For Dean, you were mentioning earlier he gets away from his abuser, you know, and he's in a better situation now with Cass. But that doesn't automatically mean like, oh, Dean's free. He's all better now. You know, like a lot of times freedom happens in your heart and in your mind. It's not just physical freedom. You know, he has physical freedom first when he is able to be in a stable environment with Cass. But his mind isn't free and his heart isn't free. And so he has to spend the entire story trying to grapple with that and deal with that challenge. And it was so very interesting to watch him very slowly get to that place where he was able to let go of the mental entanglements that he had with Alistair. You know what I mean? And once he was able to start that journey of letting go of those mental entanglements, I felt like you really saw him take a big leap in his journey towards freedom. And that was beautiful to watch. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> this sounds so underwhelming, but <laughs> I am really happy that you feel that way because I, I don't know, I have this structure in mind. Well, technically, I didn't. I didn't have a structure in mind. I was just trying to write a step-by-step whatever I wanted to happen and planning as I went. But after words, I feel like you can really see some steps taken uh, before that fails later. And not to like spoil everything in case someone is listening to a podcast about me without reading this stuff. But uh, I feel like there is this huge moment where he makes the decision like near the end to bet on himself, I guess. And very tense and everything. I don't know. I'm talking about the mountain scene. I think you know what I mean. Right? right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I had heard plans for a really long time and I knew it was going to be petty to write it. Was I did not enjoy that at all. Like it was horrible. I just planned it to end because there was not only the like the heavy chorus, but also just like all this painting that was included. I just really wanted it to be so good and it took me forever. But I feel like in the end, I was going for this big resolution at the end, working towards it the entire time. And then he somehow like picks himself, but it's not healthy selfish, but only because it worked because of, I don't know, thanks to Cass's massive work to make him appreciate himself. So like he puts everything at risk, yes, uh, for Cass, at least that's what he thinks, but he picks himself and it was very, very important for me, for him to finally choose himself, but like to get there, thanks to Cass. So, you know, it's sort of a joint effort, but in the end, he 
makes the decision himself without being directly influenced, I guess. So that was the, the big resolution for me of the Empire thing. And I really, I really feel like it worked the way I wanted it to. So that definitely made me feel happy uh, with her team out. But I was stressed about like how it was going to tie all to those ends and if it was going to have the same emotional impact that they planned. But yes, I feel like this sums up the, the whole freedom thing that like he only learns a bit and then when time comes, makes a completely different decision than he would have made before Cass came into his life. So we can see that change, this progress, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We can see the progress. And he's not 100% better or healed or anything by the end of the story. Of course he wouldn't be, you know, and that's true to life. But we do see progress and we see his like perspective start to change and shift. And to me, like that's the most satisfying thing when I get to see characters perspectives shift because that shift starts everything. So it's like this brand new beginning for him at the very end when his perspective shifts enough that he can choose himself, just like you said. And that was beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. I'm really glad it felt that way because, yeah, it was, my God, it was a lot of work, but I also really enjoyed it, even as a writer, just seeing this kind of, yeah, this this whole scene, like, I felt it. <laughs> even though I was the one writing it, I really felt it. And it doesn't happen a lot. Most of the time when I write, it doesn't really affect me the way I hope it's going to affect the readers. So that was a difference for me. Yeah, but pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad that you liked it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it was even just as good the second time around. So like mm-hmm. it still holds up, still so good. So I don't know if everybody knows this, but don't care where you've been. You know, you wrote the first story and then it has turned into a series. So there's subsequent stories that go along with it. But the big main story is don't care where you've been. And if I'm correct, because I looked through your list of stories and everything, I think don't care where you've been is the longest chaptered story that you've done so far. There was 36 chapters. I was wondering what it was like to write something so long. I mean, 36 chapters to me is like, whoo, that's a lot. (laughs) You know, that's a lot. And they were pretty big chapters too. What was that like writing something so big? I mean, it was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. I liked all of it. It was two years for me. And most of the time I was posting about 15k every month. Yeah, just like every, yeah, (laughs) it feels like a lot. But at the same time, uh, this time of like taking a month to, to write was great because I felt like I had enough time to like juggle work and everything and also sit down and really write it out the way I wanted to. But yeah, okay, so there was one thing that I like having time. But in general, it was really helps me like learn English <laughs> because when I started posting, I was sure it really sucked. And, you know, just like English wise and also, you know, for many non-native writers, I feel like there's this problem of when, for example, Dean, he's a person who references so many things. And they all have a way of speaking and I don't always see it uh, written that way, but I would like to stick to it. And for me, it was a nightmare to, for example, serve some jokes that I really wanted to include. And I was like, oh my God, is this right? Because in jokes, you know, sometimes it's just a really small preposition. If it goes wrong, it's just, it's fucking everything up. So 
It was very stressful for me. I remember a couple of them when I read them right now, when I feel like I am such an English god, I just, <laughs> I don't make any mistakes ever. <laughs> so right now when I read this, it's like I am face palming. I am feeling horrible about this, but I decided to keep most of it the way it was because it's nice to see how I progress. And for, I feel like for most people, it's people don't really notice this stuff. It's not horrible mistakes, but for me, it's like a walk of shame when I go back. But I definitely got better and I really appreciate this. Uh, and someone helped me because when I started, some people started offering to be a beta for me. And I, I never considered this, you know, because I love to do everything on my own. I never want anyone to help me because otherwise it's like, it's not my own. Then I just, I am very stubborn about this, but this one person I accepted and her name is, oh my God, do I say this right? Letris, I think. And she was like, she's incredible at editing. She knows so much about English and she has just like a very good eye for things. And she had great suggestions for me. And I didn't always listen because like I said, I am stubborn. <laughs> and then I would like just fight her on it, even though I knew I was wrong, but she's been a huge help. And she helped me, I think on three or four chapters where I was really concerned about getting it right. And yeah, I'm really grateful. I just wanted to give her a shout out. I don't know if she's going to listen to this, but I hope so. I will let her know because I also really like her style as a writer. And, you know, it's really different from mine because it's a lot of like fabulous. And I think the descriptions are really beautiful and deep. I didn't really do that. I'm most like direct, but she writes at Wincest and I am not into it, which she knows, but I got to read like the bits before free. Uh, for Winchest. <laughs> so, and I really liked it. I was in awe of how much she puts, uh, of how much effort she puts into it, like making the story work. So it was not only the help of English, but also from a fellow writer who was really into setting up the right scene and everything. It was the first time I got to chat with anyone like that. And afterwards, she wasn't the only person who helped me because I also like got to meet so many people through the comments and I never get very personal, but it was just great to hear people, you know, all the feedback, but also just like people thinking about what I was writing as I was writing it. And they had some great thoughts. I was really shocked that people were going that deep into it or their, they shared their experiences, which was so, it was some of my most favorite comments were just people saying, Hey, this like really resonated with me. And it was the best compliment ever. And I also met Ginger Swag. I mean, not like in real life, but she was the second comment on my thing. And I just, I completely lost my shit. I was so excited. I couldn't believe it was the real Ginger Swag. I was, no, this is some kind of imposter that just made this account. I am sure of it. But no, it was her. And <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe it. She was like my top one idol. And I couldn't believe that she liked the pick. And yeah, we got to talk afterwards and now we still talk. So it's just so amazing to like keep talking to someone who is really into the same stuff and who is also such a great writer in my eyes. And the same goes for casually neurotic, who is like my bestie. And I am just like obsessed with her works, especially made spread wings, which you also talked about. But the second I saw it come out, I was just like, this is it. No, this is it. And I love it. And I was just praying that she was going to go on with it. And she did. So I am just so, I am feeling really like grateful for the opportunity that I got to meet so many people that I, I was just very impressed with. And uh, I got to exchange comments on how to write and like chat about it. And also our views of those characters. 
And this was going on mostly as I was writing, some of it after I was writing this book. Some people even to artists near Morvifer and oh my god, this person just goes as Moem, I think. They offered to make, you know, some art for my flicks and just, it's incredible. I don't know how to explain how much it meant to me because I never expected anyone to even really like this. And feedback was constant. It was from start to finish all the time and just very insightful. I was really inspired by the response I got. So it made writing easier. So overall, it was like, you know, I got better at English. I met so many great people. I got to meet some writers that I really just adore. And also, obviously, it got me, like, it gives me a huge ego boost because, well, <laughs> well who doesn't love to hear how great they are all the time when they open <laughs> Gmail? I feel so good uh, <laughs> after this. Like, you know, it doesn't, like, make me feel super confident, but definitely when I go to a store as I'm in the queue, I am just like, nobody here knows that I'm one of the top werewolf smart writers. So, <laughs> it's <just like> <laughs> great. <laughs> Well, I'm joking, but it's great. It's great. I am very grateful. I just wanted to like thank people in general, whoever is listening to this and you as well for like giving me a chance. Like it's because it's it's not just about you know. I mean, many people say that basically think I can write, and I agree, obviously. <laughs> but I think that it's a lot of luck as well to really find the right audience, and I really feel that luck. I feel really uh well oh my god i can't say blessed because it's so cliche i hate to say that i don't know what else to say but <laughs> i feel really happy uh that this happened to me because it's been a great journey for real like i feel like i explored myself as a writer i found a style and now i just feel so confident just sitting down and writing something but also i just feel like it affected me pressure wise i feel like i still feel really free to write whatever i want and with how however money breaks in me Okay, so yeah, just a lot of feelings. I don't know if this is what you were looking for as an answer. Yes, yes, it is. Because, you know, it makes me so happy when I hear these stories about people coming up with these projects and working so hard. Because, you know, working two years on a on a fan fiction and then all that work that goes into it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And you put it up for free so that I can, like, pour a glass of wine on a Friday night and have a date <laughs> with fan fiction. You know, like it's a lot of like sharing right with the community and putting something out there and contributing something of value to the community and it just makes me so happy when I hear that you've had so many amazing things come out of it you've found community you've built community you have all of these like really wonderful friends around you that support you and you know help you and you help inspire others and it's just this really cool thing It drives home for me the point, and I've said this before, that I know that starting something can sometimes feel so scary, especially if it's something you've never done before or you are worried that you're it's something you're not good at or what have you. I completely understand those anxious feelings because I have them too. And I know that sometimes those anxious feelings are what can sometimes hold us back from starting a new project or just going for something or pursuing a, a goal or a dream whatever it is, but you never know the magical things that are going to happen in your life when you just go for it, even when you're scared and afraid of the unknown. 
you never know <laughs> the amazing things that could come from that. And so that's why I love when people tell those kinds of stories, because I feel like they're encouraging to people. They're encouraging to me, too, because uh, I know what that feels like, the fear and the uncertainty and the anxiety. But knowing that there could be amazing, wonderful, magical things on the other side of that is what keeps me going. And I hope that it inspires other people out there to just go for it. Post yeah. that fic, pursue that dream, do that scary thing that you've been putting off. And I bet that when it's all over and you're on the other side of it, you're going to be really glad that you uh, you did it anyway. So thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I know that I had planned to talk a little bit about the ABO stuff, and we kind of already did, but I do want to revisit that here just in case there was anything more you wanted to say about it. What I found interesting... And when I say interesting, I mean like amazing because please keep writing more of this stuff. I find it interesting that you keep returning to the ABO concept yeah. like over and over oh and over. God. You have more than one story that focuses on that ABO trope, which I'm not going to complain. Like I will <laughs> read as many as you want to read. That's totally fine with me. But it, it did make me curious because when I see people return to the same trope over and over and over, it does make me wonder, what are they still trying to explore here? Like, what aspect are they trying to reach? What is still compelling them to return to the same concept or the same trope over and over and over? I love returning to the same tropes over and over and over personally, because I feel like I learn something new every single time that I do. And so I'm wondering for you, what is that like or what are you exploring by returning to it over and over and over, especially with your current whip that I've been reading, Creatures of Light? That's an oh, ABO God. story, too. Yeah. Right. So even yes. now you are still exploring that trope. And I was just wondering, what is it that you're exploring? God, I wish I knew. And uh, honestly, it's like I hated this. Uh, and it's just like, I don't know why I got into it. I think. Um, maybe I just like the, well, we talked about the dystopia stuff, so I won't talk about it anymore, but I feel like maybe on a more normal level, it just checks off so many like hurt comfort classics right off the bat, because you get like so much untapped potential with like the in space stuff, right? It's a great excuse to have the cuddle. <laughs> the, the deep stuff aside it's just fun. oh yeah <laughs> and also like the forced uh, the domesticity yes that's the word yeah this happens a lot and i love it i want to put them in a place like in a house ideally and i want to see what they do i want to see the boring stuff like just eating breakfast together and this is a great go for it one thing one factor that comes up a lot is this need for domesticity so I feel like it's really helped to write something that's really comforting, it's really fluffy, and it's not just something that you can write about, but in this universe, this is something that they need, like, biologically. <laughs> so, I love that. Like, they need to have, uh, whatever, many pillows. <laughs> it's just so fun. I love it. It's like, yes, I am going to write well comfort, I am going to make them happy now with uh, whatever they can surround themselves with soft things I don't know just like making their own house and it's so you know because so many people just want that in their lives obviously so I feel like it's really it gives you this warm setting to work with and I think it's just it has so much potential and people can do so many different things with it but I there is one thing I hate about the stroke as the purely biological stuff like you know the rats and heats and how their bodies are different i just i try to 
pretend it doesn't exist. And when I have to write about it, I just try to be as vague as possible because I just hate it. It makes me feel gross. I don't, I don't know if you remember, but there were those books about like, uh, those children turning into animals. They were like, she think, I don't know what it was. Oh, are you talking about the, um, the Animorphs books? Yes. Oh my God. That says, yes, Animorphs. Yes. So I was, I was always horrified by that. And I felt like when I first, first heard about this, uh, trope, I felt like it was very outlandish and like some strange king. And I was very against it. It felt like it was in the same furry vein as those shipper children books. Oh, like, yeah. did not like it at all. But not to king shame. You know, if someone really likes it, because some, some ideal tropes just go for the king. And it's fine. It's whatever you like. But it's not fine for me that way. And I prefer to go deep into what this entails, this entire world, after you go living like this. So, yeah, this is what I hate about it. And whenever I write it again, I try to give it like a fresh setting and usually change also Cass's level of knowledge because he is a bit different in all those versions to make him a bit, yeah, a bit different, not the same every time. And, you know, people come to me and they tell me that I introduced them to the trope or I made them like it and they feel horrible about it. I feel like, I feel like I played myself into, you know, joining like the team I take. And <laughs> now I'm doing the other people as well. <laughs> now you're actively recruiting people yeah. to the church of ABO. Amen. For you, <laughs> for you, was it also like you at first, like you, know, you couldn't stand to think about it or was it like, were you open to it? You know what? I'll be completely honest. I have zero squicks. All right. Whoa. Okay. That's not true. That's not true. Okay. Actually, I do have a few. I prefer not to read severely underage stuff. Yeah. I don't read that either. Or like enemy, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, you know, if people want to write it and put it up, that's fine. It can exist. That's fine. I just don't personally like it. But other than that, I have no squicks. And so I have been reading dark fic since I was like 14 years old. So when I encountered ABO for the first time, I am pretty sure that I encountered it in Supernatural, first of all. And I'm pretty sure that I encountered it in a story that was not strictly a, a kink thing. Because I, I agree with you. I have seen since that some writers do use it just for the, the kink factor. And that's fine. Like you said, no judgment. That's totally cool. I think that I was introduced to it in a way that was thoughtful. And so I have always sought out those ABO stories thereafter, like the ones that are thoughtful about it and not just using it as like, you know, a kink thing or whatever. Um, so I never once had that, ugh, you know, feeling about ABO. It was always something that I appreciated. I think just because I stumbled upon writers who did it so well and so thoughtfully. So yeah, I never had to be converted. I was always but a also, fan. <laughs> you are also very open about it. I mean, for me, I am the exact opposite. I am so picky. I have so many squeaks. I just like, I have to, it has to hit exactly the right stuff for me to, for me to read it. So I am just like, yeah, I am extremely picky about it. And I have so many texts that I just don't read at all. So this was one of them for a very long time. And it's made me mad because one of the things that kept popping up on top of the search was exactly ABO and I was like, my God, who is this freak? What are they writing? And it was very judgmental. 
and it kept annoying me so much. I just clicked on it. You know, I was like, okay, well, I will give this one a try just to prove to myself how bad it is. And it was not bad at all. And I had to face it through when I was sitting like five hours into it. And then I started reading or more and then writing my own. So it just like backfired completely. But this is perfect the course for me. So <laughs> I'm not really surprised. But yeah, in general, I have many, many sleeps. So I am not that surprised you liked it or gave it a try if you were this open. Because I don't feel like it's very extreme. I mean... Some things are weird about it, but in general, I feel like there is more potential than there is weirdness in it. I feel like so many great, uh, I think most of my favorite fanfics are coming from this trope because it is like really, yeah, it's great for uh, creating um, a different universe uh, and exploring those different problems, morals, yeah. And this is what I like. <laughs> it works for me. And I love that. I love that you have a story about a particular trope that you hated and then ended up like really enjoying and finding value in. And I just, I love that. I think that we can all probably get a lesson out of that. I know I can because like there are definitely tropes that I'm not as excited about as others. Like, um, I was doing a guest spot on another fan fiction podcast recently, Canon Divergent, and they wanted to talk about the body swap trope. And I have no issue against body swap. I just don't personally like I never read any body swap stuff because I was just like, eh, I don't think that that's, you know, interesting or whatever. But because of doing this podcast with them, I had to read some some body swap uh, fan fictions to prepare myself for the discussion. And, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the stories that I read in that trope and wouldn't have ever thought, you know, like, oh, these are actually pretty good, you know, like not too bad. And it's probably not going to be one of those things that I actively search out all the time, but it definitely gave me more appreciation for a particular trope that I just didn't really have much exposure to or understand. But having that open mind of being like, ah, let's just try this out. You never know. You never know what you'll stumble into that you'll really end up liking. So, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like most of the people did that to me, like with my fake, <laughs> because I get a lot of comments that are like, I thought this would be shit, but it's not. And, you know, not in those words <laughs> specifically, but in general, this is the idea behind it. And I'm always like happy because it's nice to know that they came in looking for something bad and were surprised enough read most of it and like it and then admit it so it's pretty cool but I feel like this is one of those that still has a lot of stigma around it and I don't really get it like for me this is not really a very wild concept anymore but maybe I am just you know I have been in it for a long time so I don't look at it the same way so it's yeah it's different yeah it is it's definitely different when you've been in it for so long or exposed to it for so long you just have a lot of different reasons why you love it and I think sometimes that's when you're just like well you know I can see why some people would be really weirded out by it or just not like it at all but it has all of these other things about it that are actually really helpful and valid and uh, and amazing so one of the greatest things I ever heard and this is old this is so old everybody knows this but you know what is that saying um your kink is not my kink and that's okay. And I love that saying so much because, you know, we can all still be a community that loves each other and admit that, hey, the stuff you like might not be the stuff that I like and that's okay. No judgment to you. No judgment to me. We like what we like and it's all good, friend. 
it's all good. So yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess like I am very judgmental. I will say this, but I am not like attacking anyone. Like sometimes I hate some tropes, but yeah, like you said, I just whatever. It's not worth getting angry about. Like it's just fiction, you know. And I just don't understand the hate that some people get in general in this community. But I see it very early, so I had to say that. But I didn't. In general, I feel like this is very welcoming. Yeah. And people have some wild, wild ideas and they still get scored. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's creativity, right? It's supposed to, like, be about us exploring new ideas. Yes. Yes. Boldly exploring. That's it. That's all it is, man. Boldly exploring. And at the end of the day, it's just fiction, guys. I mean, I really don't feel like it. Like, I really like this approach because it gives me a lot of distance. Like, when I feel like... Oh, I am really caught up in my writing and I can't think about it. I'm like, whatever, this is just a story online. And it really gives me, yeah, a lot of this post. A lot less stress, yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, I know it's been a while since you wrote this for Don't Care Where You've Been, but do you remember which scene you looked forward to writing the most? I know you talked about the hotel scene or the motel yeah, scene. Yeah, I want to. Was that the one? That. No, actually. I think, you know, after all this time, there is one chapter that always comes to mind as my favorite. And that is the chapter where they go to the fanfare. And I just love that. It's pretty early on. They are just there for like some rides. And I think Dean wants to go on a scary ride. And then they go on the Ferris wheel and he's very scary. So he has to kiss. And this is obviously the only logical solution to resolve the tension. Of course, you of course. You have to piss it out, yeah. But I just really like, I am so fond of this chapter. I remember not getting that many great opinions on it. And I was like, come on, guys, this was genius. <laughs> this works. This is like, it's like this every time that when I write something that I think is complete shit, people are like, oh my God, this was so great. I feel so amazing about this. You are amazing. And then I write something that I'm really proud of. And people are like, mm, it's not okay, but I just can't wait when the next chapter comes. <laughs> And I'm like, seriously, <laughs> and it happens all the time without fail. And I really, I don't know. I love this one and it was my favorite. I think to this day, it was my favorite chapter. It wasn't very deep, but they were just hanging out. And I really loved putting, I like putting a lot of my experiences into it, but not like emotions wise, but only, you know, the places I've been or like uh some situations maybe i'm not sure i just love putting them in the first settings so every time there's a different setting i'm very happy to write it um just like i don't know there was the zoo and the first day it's on the hill and they go to a lot of places and i'm very happy about it <laughs> but the fanfare was my favorite and also the hot scenes at the end i hope they were hot but they were hot to me so it worked for me i was really happy with the chapter and to this day yeah it's my it's my favorite even though nothing really big happened, it was just great. Like, yeah, coming back to it, it just makes me laugh and it's fun to read. Oh, I'm so glad that that's your favorite because I thought that those chapters were fun to read too. I mean, any time that they had an opportunity to just spend time with each other and have fun and get to know each other in like a less stressful situation, you know, you had these moments of just them being more relaxed and more free, I guess, and more just enjoying their time, you know, and that was always really nice to see interspersed between the challenges and the drama and things like that. So, yeah, I agree that it was a lot of fun to see them just having fun, especially Dean. Like, he seemed so into it 
more than I thought he would. But then I think to myself, and you know, the last time I went to a fair, how old was I? Probably about 37 the last time I went. And I was like a kid in a candy store. I had so much fun. I didn't care that all those rides were for kids. I was like, mm, I'm going to enjoy my time here. And so I could just totally see Dean just being really excited to be there. Yeah, that's it. But I, I think I was projecting there because of like, I love theme parks. And it was just fun for me to write about it. But yeah, this happens a lot. I feel like Dean is just the person that loves to go outside and meet people and do things. So every time they have this, a lot of things just keep him inside the house. And I feel like this is not something he would enjoy. Even after a lot of, you know, problems and trauma, I feel like he would like to go out. And for me, this is perfect because it creates opportunities for things to happen, you know, different people talking to them and possible uh, complications or whatever. It's just, I love it. It's my favorite to have them go outside. No, I agree. He's more adventurous than just staying inside. He's the kind of character that, yeah, he would want to be out. He would want to be exploring, even if it's scary. And even if he's not quite so sure of himself yet, he would still be the guy that would definitely want to do that. So I'm so glad that you did include those outings because I liked all of them. All of the outings were really cute and really interesting and entertaining to read. Now, I have been following your recent work in progress, Creatures of Light, because... Of course I am. And I'm really enjoying this fic. Really enjoying it. I love the lighthouse. Oh, my God. I love learning about Cass's background in Creatures of Light and what's going on with him. You know, he's kind of this weird lighthouse recluse a little bit. (laughs) It's really interesting. I wish we had more time to talk about this one. But I just wanted to ask you real quick before we run out of time. Do you have any future plans for that story that you can share? I I don't want you to reveal any spoilers or anything that you don't want to reveal, but any information you can give us about uh, Creatures of Light would be great. Well, okay, yeah, I can totally reveal that uh, what I have planned for it is, I think, not something that people will see coming, I hope, because I even reading the comments, I feel like what I have in mind, it's going to big, and I feel like it's going to surprise a lot of people. But I had it figured out since the start, so it's like, I hope the clues are there, but, you know, not all the clues are there to figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> so, but I think I have at least three, yeah, three elements that should be really surprising. And the no surprise part is that Cass and Dean end up happy and together, which is spoiled by the facts, though. <laughs> I feel like this is something people expect, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they will be together, they will be happy, but in general, I'm hoping for really, like, I really hope three moments, yeah, maybe three moments are going to be like a shocker, but I'm not sure how much of it is going to actually shock people. I am hoping for it, that's all. And I'm really, I'm really into this pick. I'm so happy that I'm writing it because the vibe is just what I like. Yeah, it's a new setting, which is what I like. And the whole, I don't know, deserted town, nothing deserted, but we're like, it's distance from everything, so I feel like it really adds to this weird feeling of being alone. I don't know. I really like it. <laughs> I am so proud of myself, clearly, but <laughs> I just really enjoy this. 
there's this ambience or this vibe to it that it's hard to put your finger on. But yeah, it's just, it's so interesting and I'm having a really great time. And if no one else is surprised, I can promise you, Tacos, I will be surprised. I am one of those people that cannot see things coming. I just can't. People make fun of me for that all the time. And I think it's just because I'm so in the moment when I'm reading that my brain never thinks, huh, I wonder what that means. Or, oh, I can see this thing coming over here, blah, 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 blah. My brain just doesn't work that way. I don't know why. So I will be the person who is totally surprised by all (laughs) of the shocking elements uh, that you have planned. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. I'm really really happy that you're enjoying this as well because it's a bit different, I feel, but it's great to hear that people are reading. Yeah. And I mean, I know, technically, I know this, but whenever I hear it, it always gets the same. It's great. Yeah. It just makes me so happy that so many people want to read what I write. It's amazing. And I I really feel so thankful. And just the fact that you are thinking about those things and asking me questions right now, it means a lot. Oh, well, thank you. It means a lot that you're here. I have just loved your work. And so this has just been like so amazing. Dream come true for <laughs> thank me. You. Unfortunately, we are at the end. All good things must come to an end. So before we close out for the day, do you have any other fan fiction writers that you wanted to shout out or talk about real quick before we close? Yes, I will be very quick. But as I said before, you know, Ginger Speck and uh, Carolina Roddick, they are my favorites. I just devour what they write. I think they are so skilled with making, they show so much with so little words sometimes, and they really tap into those unnamed emotions. And I just, I am blown away every time. I think they are just so talented and it inspires me all the time to write better. And yeah, I love them. But there is also the Fledris that I mentioned before, who was my beta. And I feel like, yeah, her works are really interesting. They are something different. So if someone is able to lens this time, we comment. And also I have, you know, probably everyone knows this writer right now, but Ben being signed he wrote for Leather Ward for Intercourse. I don't know if you've read it. You know, that sounds so familiar to me for some reason. So I might have, yeah. Yeah, it has like, it's about, you know, BDSM, I guess, mostly, and also COVID. So <laughs> I make it sound pretty bad, but it was great. It has a bit of that uh, hidden identity factor and... It was just so, I don't know, so deep, but also the characters were so in character. It doesn't really get deep uh, by spelling it out. It's just very, it hits you, I feel. And it's also very funny and it's very engaging. And it's just like really kind to the characters, I felt. So that is, uh, this guy wrote also like different parts of the stick afterwards, like timestamps, and I really loved them all. So I feel like this is definitely something special for me that stands out. Uh, and maybe just one more person. I don't know their other works, but they are called Schmerzer Link. I think it's a uh, journal for butterfly, pretty sure. And they wrote this fic called Your Heart Makes. And it was, it's pretty old by now, I feel, a couple of years at least. But it was about being a cast in Disneyland as workers. And it was just so beautiful. It was one of those fics that made me you know, sit in front of my daughter and just stare at it and feel so many things. I, didn't know what to say. It's, yeah, it's amazing. And there's a couple of words that came out to stay with you for your life, I guess. And those were those for me that really just were something beautiful, something today. I don't know how those people do it, but it really touches me and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I recommend. 
Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for those shout outs. We'll make sure that the links for all of those make it up on the show notes so folks can check those out. Thanks, Tacos. Thank you again so much for being here and for making dreams come true for the podcast because I've been wanting to talk to you for such a long time. And then thank you so much for taking the time out to spend some time with us today. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. And it was really so much pleasure for me and also a dream come true to be on the podcast. And it was, yeah, it was great. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. Check out her stories, folks, on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at Fanfic Maverick Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at Fanfic Maverick. And I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Thank you.